When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started BetFred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet. And he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetFredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Hi, this is Kenny Albert. You're listening to the Broadway Hat Podcast with your host, Kyle Hall, the number one podcast for all things Rangers hockey. Welcome back to the Broadway Hat Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Hall. Well, a lot, a lot has happened this last week since our last episode last Saturday. Uh, We recorded right after the Rangers lost to the Penguins, but we did not know what fireworks were started that night. So as you remember, the Rangers lost that game 5-4 in overtime. And after a long shift, uh, the Penguins scored on a, a Sidney Crosby overtime goal. Now, a play that led to that goal was a misplay by... Goalie Alexander Gorgiev up the sideboard to Tony D'Angelo. At the time, no one thought much of it. it was a misplay, but little did we know that the carryover from that play that would continue to the locker room would cause a swing in the Rangers season. So there have been a lot of reports. There was a confrontation between D'Angelo and Gorgiev. There's a lot of hearsay, a lot of rumors back and forth. Anyway, we're not going to get into that, but bottom line, D'Angelo is now no longer with the Rangers. So in a press conference on Monday, last Monday, right before the Rangers game again, another the next game against the Penguins, the Rangers brass came out with a press conference saying that Tony's played his last game in a Rangers jersey. They didn't really elaborate on what was happening. You know, there's no real answer to what the Rangers are going to do. There's obviously some options that they can go with, either by buying him out at the end of the year. You know, will they trade him? You know, straight up cut him. It seems as though right now he is on the taxi squad, although he's not with the team. He is at home. But for, I guess, salary reasons, he is still on the taxi squad. He did clear waivers. No team claimed him. Uh, so the Rangers, I mean, they are free to trade him to whoever they want. A couple of names that we talked about last episode about possible center replacements have now been, again, uh, in the rumor mill surrounding a trade possibly for D'Angelo. Uh, and Sam Bennett up in Calgary, who has been scratched a couple times this week. It seems as though that, that relationship is not getting any better up there. And also Derek Stepan, the former New York Ranger, who just was traded to Ottawa before training camp this year. 
He's in the final year of a six-year deal that pays about $6 million annually. So the Senators, who are the worst team in the NHL, are looking not to pay him anymore and looking to clear that off their books. So do they take a chance on D'Angelo, a young 25-year-old right-hand defenseman who obviously has you know, a very good offensive punch but also comes with some off-ice issues? You know, that's what teams are going to have to look at. They're going to have to weigh the, the skill versus the headache in the locker room. From what I've heard from other players, and you know, we had Rob O'Gara on the show a couple weeks ago, and he said Tony's a great guy. He's just – he will have his opinions, um, and you just have to kind of just shake it off and let Tony have his opinion. But obviously that kind of wore thin on the Rangers, and they decided to move on from him after a, cu- a couple issues with him in the offseason – in training camp, they had the you know the Trump tweets, and then uh, he got benched for the bad penalty, and then he had you know some apparently he had some words for Quinn after he got benched. So all that added up, and uh, Gordon told him that if they had another issue, he was going to put him on waivers, and he held true to his word, and Tony was put on waivers, and now the Rangers are looking to move on from him. But you know whatever happened that night or the next day a spark went off in that locker room. You know, I think the as bad as it sounds, and you don't want this to happen on your team, but the team came together. And since the incident, the Rangers have played great. You know, maybe this was an incident or something that, that really, you know, brought the team as one. And they came out Monday night, right after the press conference at 5.30. So hour and a half later, Rangers are on the ice. Uh, they come out and they win 3-1 to one against Pittsburgh. I mean, they... They fell behind one nothing in the first period, but you know they still look good. Second period, they tie it up on a, a nice stuffing goal. But then the third period, they completely dominated the third period. And really, it's the first year, first time all year, in a close game like that, the Rangers have actually come up and shown shown up for the third period. But yeah, I mean Rooney got them on the board one one, and then you know the third period they, they they play great. They come out, they score two. You know they score uh, right to start of the period, and they score later in the period to win three to one. Igor looked great in net, uh, only gave the one goal. And then they follow up that performance with another great performance Thursday night against the Caps. They come out and win 4-2. They were the better team all night that night as well. Uh, Anthony Potato got in the lineup because of D'Angelo going out and Brendan Smith being injured. So Potato and Hayek both came in the lineup. So the Rangers are down to 7th and 8th defensemen now, which is something we talked about also earlier in our show, the defenseman depth which I thought they would all get in sometime during the year. Maybe they didn't think this early in the year, but Potato and Hayek both played. And Potato went out there and scored his first goal in three years with a unbelievable dipsy doodle around the entire uh, Capitals defense, uh, looking like McDavid out there, scoring a highlight goal. And they go into the third period up 3-1. to one. Uh, Ovechkin comes out and scores a goal to make it 3-2 to two to kind of make it a little nerve-wracking for the Rangers, but... They end up holding on, and Buchnevich, who's had a great, great start to the year, um, but it's been a little bit snake-bitten on scoring. Uh, he gets the empty netter, so that was well-deserved. And then Rangers went 4-2. Two Two of the guys who played exceptionally well that game and have really played great the last four games to Rangers um, is Strom and Panarin. So that line is finally clicking. Strom had two goals in the game. Panarin had three assists. The last four games for Panarin, he's got three goals, six assists, and nine points. Strom, last four games, three goals, two assists, five points. So that line's clicking right now. Kako was on the line um, for the Penguins win, and he's looked good with them. And then he he was out with co- you know, he had a COVID protocol, but he's gonna be back for them. So he's played well for that line. Lafreniere's been dropped down to the third line now. So they 
The KZB line is back for the top line. Uh, Buchnevich, I, I think, you know, any line he's gone to this year, he's kind of clicked. So Zibanejad needs a little bit of a jump start. So hopefully he can provide that to that line. And then again, Igor played well, and he's really played well recently. He's at he's got now a record of three two and one on the year. He's got a two point three five goals allowed against average. So, you know that's pretty much where he was last year. So I think he's finally settling in, and I think Quinn needs to recognize that. I think Quinn needs to just roll with him. I know they're gonna play a lot. I'm gonna get to that. They have a heavy schedule coming up, so you get need Gorgiev to give him a breather, but. If this case starts rolling, you have to. He's got to be the number one goalie. You can't go one A, one B. You got to give them the majority of the games. You know, the Rangers are right back. They're right back in the season now. You know, the, after these couple wins, you know, I, like I, we said going into it, the Rangers, if they would have swept the Pittsburgh uh, series, they'd be in the playoff spot right now. But they get five points in the last three games. You know, the OT loss. Uh, you know, unfortunately on Saturday night, you know, they go into another third period winning and blowing that game last week. But, you know, right now, they're a point out of the playoffs. Pittsburgh's at 11 points. Rangers are at 10 points. Pittsburgh's got an extra game in hand on them. So, I mean, it's right there for the Rangers. It's a cluster. Everyone's got right below them is like 10 points. So everyone's right there. Um, you know, right now, this is a time for the Rangers to step up. And they got five straight games at home now. They start tomorrow night against the Islanders. They kick off five straight games at home. But the schedule coming up is rough. You know, they had a couple, you know, this weekend they had uh, the game canceled against the Devils because the Devils have 17 guys out on COVID protocol. But that kind of rearranged some of the Rangers' schedule going forward. So now the Rangers do not play, do not have an, an extra day off. So they have in between each game is one day off until March 22nd. They get two days off between the games. So we're getting Rangers every other day for over a month now which is great for viewers, but it's going to be taxing in on these players. So, you know, this is going to be a long stretch, obviously. You know, with the shortened season, there was going to be a lot of compressed dates here, and the Rangers have a little break right now. Maybe it's not a bad break to have, uh, considering all the craziness and the drama that happened this last week. But, you know, the team turned it up, and and maybe they didn't want to take a break because they were playing so well the last couple nights. But, um, you know, they have a couple days here to kind of you know, clear their heads, and then uh, and then it's a really a, a sprint now to the finish of the season. So for as bad as the start was, ten games in, you're a point out of the playoffs. You got ten points. You know, you're a better team than what your record shows. You have a positive one goal goal differential, which is second best in the division. You know, the Flyers and Capitals are right there with you, and the Bruins are plus twelve, but everyone else is plus one or negative. So I think the Rangers have shown. They're a better team than the record shows. I know Quinn has said, look at the analytics. You know, we're a better team. So, I, I you know, as much as I want to just downplay the analytics and say you need to win the games, you know, that actually does hold some truth to it. And, you know, right now, like I said, five games at home now. You have to win these games at home or at least, you know, win three, you know, win three or four of them. Or, you know, if they can get a couple points out of that couple of those losses, that'd be a plus. But, you know, right now, shorten year, you're right where you need to be. And maybe this D'Angelo crap, this is something that's going to be a boost for them and get him out of the locker room and and really bond these players together. But we'll see. And uh, again, the Rangers are back on the ice Monday against the Islanders. And, uh, and hopefully they can take this break and they come out fresh and rejuvenated. And this week we got a cool guest, uh, former New York Ranger goaltender Mackenzie Skapsky, the Buffalo killer. 
So we have Mac on the show. He had two NHL games in his career. He's 2-0, both against the Buffalo Sabres. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So a really cool part of Ranger's history. And he talks about backing up Hamlet Lundquist and just his general time in New York. And we talk about the rest of his career. So let's send it over to our interview with Mac. Today, we're joined by former New York Ranger Mackenzie Skapsky. Mac, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So I want to start off with probably a, uh, a in your life or career was when you were 15, your uh, junior team got into an unfortunate car ac- or bus accident, and you were pretty seriously injured for that. Yeah, at the time it was my uh, it was my midget team, so uh, we were just in the middle of December on our way up up northern BC, and and uh, we we're driving on a, a closed highway, and we hit black ice and. We ended up uh, getting into an accident, and that's that's where, prior to junior, I you know I had some fractures in my face, and and they had to do surgery uh, for blood clot that was in the back of my head. So, that was definitely a setback before uh, I reached the junior ranks. And then, so that comeback, it, how long were you out for from off the ice? Um, the accident happened in December, and I missed the remainder of the season uh, with my midget club. And then I came back in May, and uh, at the time we had under-17 evaluation camps for the province of BC. So I was fortunate enough where they, they pushed me through uh, the March process where it was the beginning phase of under-17, and they pushed me to the provincial camp in, in May. And uh, that was my first competition in time being on the ice, really. So it was sort of like hop on the ice, compete for a spot, and away you go. So um, that in, in, in that way, it was, sort of, uh, it was sort of good because I didn't really think too much of my injury. It didn't give me a lot of time to think about it. And um, it just, you know, forced me into a situation where I needed to go make a team. And then you were also drafted that year by the Kootenai Ice and the WHL. When you got that opportunity to go to the Kootenai, was that an exciting? I mean, how exciting was that? Super, yeah, super exciting. I mean, anytime you get drafted and a team wants you, I think it's I think it's pretty exciting. So, got drafted there. Ended up going to training camp um, uh, later in that year in August. Uh, had a really good training camp. So my accent was uh, was pretty. Sixteen year old kid, you feel pretty invincible. And, you, and to be honest, like I wasn't thinking about the bus accident. I just thought I'd play hockey again. So. Went there at 16, obviously didn't make the team as a 16-year-old, missed the entire season the year before, so they sent me 
sent me back to get some games uh, in Junior B and um, played the year there and then, and then carried on to Kootenai the following year. And then you started the final two years there and you won 62 games. You had quite the career there. And while you were playing there, you played with the number two overall pick, uh, Sam Reinhart. So Ranger fans aren't really, I don't think we know about Sam Lux. We don't play Buffalo that much. We're going to see a lot of him this year. Uh, playing eight games against Buffalo in the new division setup. So, what are some of the things we should look for when we play against him? Sam, yeah, Sam's just uh, obviously an extraordinary player. Right away, he 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 doesn't jump off the page with with uh, uh, with in your face speed or in your face skill. But once you uh, grow to watch him, I'm sure fans in Buffalo have seen it. But his um, his hockey IQ, I don't think I've seen anybody better at the junior level, at least in, in the limited time that I've. I've been in the pro level, so exceptional player, reads the play really well, and um, yeah, good teammate. And also your first coach with Kootenai was uh, Chris Knobloch, who is now the AHL coach for the Hartford Wolfpack, and he's had success everywhere he's gone. Uh, what kind of coach was he? Um, well, Chris came from a teaching background, from what I understand. And, um, he's very philosophical and uh, thought the game out well, and um, wasn't necessarily a yeller and a screamer, but um, tried to connect with his teammates and or, or his uh, his uh, his players. And and uh, that year, that year I was the backup goalie, so um, it was more just shut my mouth and listen to listen to Chris and listen to the people around me. And and uh, so we we didn't really have uh, that much of a relationship, I guess, uh, being the backup goalie and and. Um, looking for games so my job that year was just to work hard but but Chris obviously is uh he was a good coach for us and he's uh finding success in uh in the pro ranks and then you get drafted in the sixth round in 2013 by the Rangers was that where you were looking to go and is that where the range was from you coming into the draft where like they were putting you in the draft well I I mean it was it was sort of tough to gauge in a way um on one hand, I was an overage um, draft, so I passed my first draft class. But a month, I was at the World Junior Goalie Camp for Canada. So um, I, that that on top of having a really good year, I, I thought I was going to go. I had no idea where I was going to go. Um, so I took the safe route and didn't end up going to the draft. And um, didn't think I was going to New York at all. I, I didn't speak with them once, and sure enough, they called me, and uh, obviously super excited. So you get drafted to the Rangers, and you, I mean, any player I've talked to, they looked at the depth chart beforehand, and there's a really big guy on the top of that depth chart in New York, Henrik Lundqvist. When you look at the depth chart, you say, oh, wow, one of the best goalies in the world is the starting goalie right now. What is that thought process? <laughs> Honestly, like, um, from a goalie's perspective, the, you're told that it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while to get to that level. So you don't initially think of um, taking Henrik Lundqvist's job by any means. So um, I looked at the remainder of their depth chart, obviously, and, and saw some openings in the American League and East Coast Hockey League and um, more so took it uh, with an approach of of trying to get there, right? Signing my contract and trying to get there. And then um, uh, so that, that was my initial approach right after the draft. And walking into that Rangers first camp, what's going through your mind when it gets into the locker room? Yeah, that that's where it really starts to kick in. Um, 
especially that main camp because he's put together in one. Um, all these guys on TV that you see are now on the ice with you and having lunch with you and, and in the gym with you. Um, so there's some intimidation right off the bat, but then you realize um, these guys come up to you, these, these long time professionals and, and they're just another human and they talk to you as if you're just another human. And, and uh, that combined with what they do in the NHL is just super impressive. So your first year after junior, you come to the Rangers and, and they put you right away in the ECHL, um, but you were only there for one game, and then you go up to the um, to the Hartford. So what, I guess, breaking camp, were you, I guess, were you discouraged by going down, or did you know you were going to end up with Hartford? No, I sort of I sort of had the expectation um, that I was going to end up in the East Coast Hockey League, and, and um, when I look back on it, um, I sort of thought maybe I'd go back to junior as well. So I was just happy to be in the East Coast Hockey League and get an opportunity. And I know a lot of people, or a lot of goalies anyways, go through the East Coast Hockey League and uh, carve their path that way. So it was just another stepping stone for me. I wasn't discouraged my first year doing it. And I find when I look back on things, it's all about what kind of expectations you have walking into a situation. And um, I think my expectations were right in line with where I was. And then you do make the jump after just one game to uh, Hartford and you had a very good first year with them. What was the biggest change do you think for you game wise going from junior to the AHL? Um, reading plays for sure. Just having better ice awareness. And I know I'll do this a lot on your podcast, probably just from a few of the other goalies that have been on, but um, it's, it's a really smart game at the next level. And uh, that was my immediate adjustment. I think everybody's, you get to a certain point where everybody has skill and then um, it, it's, it's who makes better decisions. And um, that's where the decision-making really had to adjust for me. So then after a really good start to Hartford, Hank gets hurt and you get called up. What's that call up like? Um, well, I got to the rink and like I said, like it's, it's all about expectations and my expectation was to be in the East Coast Hockey League, and here I am in the American Hockey League having success and now um, starting games in, in Hartford and having success. So when I when I got to the rink, we were supposed to go to Syracuse, and um, Pat Bowler came up to me, who I had a really good relationship at the time with, and um, he had said, hey, you're getting called up to New York. And I was like, yeah, right, Patty. There's no way I'm going up to New York. He goes, no, 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 I'm serious. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is happening really quickly. So I, I stayed behind with the trainers because they have a, a trainer van and, and um, waited for a few hours just to get confirmation on whether I was going up or not. And it turned out that they didn't meet, need me. So I ended up driving five hours from Hartford to Syracuse in the trainer van with the trainers, disappointed that I didn't get my call up. And I got to Syracuse and I called my... I called my brother and I was, you know, obviously discouraged. I said, I was so close. You know, and I, I was, they said I was getting called up and then they didn't need me. And as, it, as I was on that phone call, I got a call from our head coach at the time, Ken Dernander. And um, he basically just said, we have a car service at five in the morning tomorrow. Uh, they need you in New York and, and you're playing Boston. So 
finish that phone call, call my brother back, tell him what's going on. Um, he's super excited. I'm super excited. I call my parents. And, and this is probably around 10.30 Eastern time. I make this call and I call my parents, let them know. They're obviously super pumped. And um, then I said, do you think you can make it out? And they said, oh, I mean, pretty impossible to get a flight. And I said, yeah, you're right. Like, it's late. So my brother called me again. He said, hey, are mom and dad coming? And I said, no, like, it's too late. And he said. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started Betfred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetfredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. That's bullshit <laughs> because they said, and I grew up in a family of three boys and we all played hockey. He said, he said, dad said, whenever we make the NHL, come to our first NHL game. So my brother picked up the phone and called my dad and said, you have an obligation to Mac. You have to go to his first NHL game. So they got roped into it. They ended up booking a, a red eye flight to New York. They got there in the morning. I met them in the morning I checked into my hotel. They checked into their hotel. They got tickets, and they were able to see my first warm-up at MSG. That's awesome. Yeah. So That's you're cool. up. So you're in the NHL for it was 16 days, you know, practicing with the team and backing up Talbot at the time, and you finally get told you're gonna be playing against Buffalo. So what's going through your head in those 16 days before you play? You're like, am I ever gonna get into a game here? Or did you think? Did they tell you eventually you're getting into a game? No, everything was just day by day. I mean, nobody really knew what was happening with um, Hank at the time, and and uh, I was just happy to be there. Um, every practice was a challenge for me because, once again, um, every time you move up, so two weeks of, of practices, uh, I was awful. <laughs> it was it was an adjustment. It was a big adjustment. But then after those two weeks went by, it, like I – I really started to uh, turn the corner and, and realize that, hey, I am an NHL player. Like, I I can be here. This is – I fit right in. And sure enough, I mean, a few days later, I <laughs> I get that call. So it was uh, pretty quick. Yeah, so pretty I mean, quick. 20 years old, starting goalie for the Rangers now. Um, 14 seconds in your first game, you lit up a goal. 
What are you thinking here for that? <laughs> um, we were we were a good team at the time, so and uh, we were President's Trophy team that year. So right when and Buffalo was struggling and me getting scored on 14 seconds of the game, I said to myself, "I'm not supposed to be here." <laughs> and I looked over at the bench just to just to see the reaction from the team and. Um, nothing, nothing that was overwhelming, surprisingly, that, that sort of caught me off guard. And, and, uh, I just got, I guess I got back to business and then I made the next save and then the next save after that. And I finished strong. So, um, that, that was a good game for me to have a good bounce back game and, um, sort of, uh, built some initial confidence that I can play at that level. Yeah. You made the rest of the saves, the rest of the game. The Rangers won three to one. Do you guys, I guess that's a charter flight you guys take back from Buffalo. So what is, uh, what's that flight back home after that win? Oh, just, yeah, I'm super excited, right? Um, a, you get to play in your first NHL game. Um, it was my dad's birthday. He was watching at home with a bunch of people, and obviously 14 seconds into the game, they probably weren't, uh, probably pretty quiet room. So, um, but at the end of it, it was all worth it, right? They uh, They made that phone call to me, and, they were part of it, and I think that's the, I think that that's the coolest part about it is you just put in so many years. Um, you're part of a hockey family that um, travels all over the place, and you know it's it's a game that is directly involved with your family, right? Brothers, parents, whatever, and um, then you get to the highest level, and you're on TV, and and I think it's an experience for everybody, just not me. And then you had to wait 22 more days in between your next start against Buffalo again back in the same arena and then this time you pitch a shutout I mean you can't script that any better yeah like it, like I said like it was just it's nice to get into a game and uh, I was able to get into a second one and obviously had some pretty good success in that and uh, it, everything came very quickly it's like I get my first NHL win and I'm enjoying my time up in New York and then I get my first NHL shutout so a lot of accolades came very, very, very quickly. And um isn't now, but you, you just, you know, deal with what's what's in front of you. And then so those 22 days in between starts, how do you keep yourself sharp not being in games? Well, uh, fortunately enough, like New York is a really good goalie coach, and I spent a lot of time with Benny Lair. Um The team would have days off, and he would come in and work with me, and and um, obviously I'd spend a lot of extra time after practice just with guys. And uh, I adjusted really, really quickly. So the combination of coaching and, and work ethic really propelled me into a situation where I adapted to the NHL very quickly. So by the time the second uh, start rolled around, um, I was really confident in myself, even though it was my second NHL game. I was really confident um, I'm practicing with, top end guys every single day because we have the confidence as a team we're, we're the best team in, in the NHL right so and things things just sort of snowballed into into my second NHL game you hear such great things about uh coach Lair. what is something that he does that is just so great for goalies that they buy into his system so fast I think he's very good at simplifying the game he's very good at distinguishing what a practice is compared to what a game is and just letting goalies play. 
And I know that doesn't really sound like a whole lot. I think you're looking for a lot more, but it is. Um, often in goaltending, we try and overcomplicate it quite often. And really, it needs to be simplified a little bit more. So he's very good um, at connecting with the goalies, um, understanding what they need, and giving it to them in, in obviously a pretty short period of time. So over the next couple, you stay with the Rangers organization for two more seasons. Um, you balanced up down between Hartford and, uh, and Greenville. What are some of the takeaways from those seasons for you? Um, well, sort of like the accident, I just thought I was going to come back and be okay. And uh, I, I don't think I really realized how much um, damage I had done to my hip leading up to that. And it was a struggle coming back. And physically, I wasn't ready that first year when I came back in, I believe it was end of November. I wasn't ready. Um, I wasn't physically strong. I, I missed an entire offseason. And everybody was in game shape come November. So I was just walking in, um, sort of expecting to to lead off where I ended off the, the year before. And um, so when, when I wasn't there physically and the results were negative or they were up and down to begin with, especially at, at the age of 21 years old. So um, that's where, you know, that's where my first year coming back the, the next year was at. And then um, my final year, I, I had a really good off season that year. Tried to come in physically, physically strong, um, and sort of adapt my hip to what it needed. And then uh, had a really good exhibition season with New York that year. They sent me down to Hartford and um, lost my first three games. And um, you really start to question yourself at that point too. And and then it's a winning business. So I, I got sent down at that point and, and replaced for a young kid named Brandon Halverson. It was a high pick at the time. And um, yeah, then you realize where the how important the mental game is very quickly. So then after the Rangers, you went over to Toronto on a PTO. I guess what is that process like signing a PTO and getting into camp with the with Toronto? That that was really tough. That was um, <clears throat> this is where the expectations sort of come back into play. And my first year, I had no no expectations, and then obviously you, you play and have some success at the highest level and expectations start to come back into play and and here I am sitting with a, a PTO I went to Toronto's camp in, in August um, they ended up sending me back they had full contracts um, they had no space and sure enough they needed they needed some help in October so they gave me a call in October and and um, that whole process, you're, you're left questioning what, you know, what, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong to get to this point? Um, and the, the physical barrier along with the mental barrier just um, puts you behind the eight ball a little bit. So that was, that was really difficult. And your last year uh, after with Toronto, you went over and played in Slovakia. What was that experience like? Why did you make the decision to jump across um, overseas? I, I think I think that's one of the best decisions I've made in hockey. And the reason being is I was in a really difficult uh, mindset at the time. 
And um, I think I was holding on to some egotistical values of, of where I was and where my game was and where I was physically. And that off season, I really had to um, sort of bow down to that and, and understand um, that I wasn't that goalie. I wasn't in that position and I'm going over to a different country to play. And when I did that, uh, that combined with uh, simplifying my game and understanding what I was good at, because I I went through hockey not really knowing what I was I was really good at as a goalie. And once I did that, practices became easier, games became easier, and the results followed. So that's sort of what's led me into what I'm doing today. And um, that last year of playing really unlocked a lot of things that I learned about myself um, as a person, as a goalie. And um, it made me realize, hey, I want to be a coach. So is that why you made the decision to retire? Because you had a pretty good final year over there. Yeah. Yeah. I had a, like I said, like it was a great year. Um, it was getting to a point where I kept pushing my hip, my hip, my hip. And every single year as I progressed, I would miss time because of my hip. I would miss time because of my hip. And it became um, less and less games every single year. And I felt not as good every single year. And I basically came to uh, a conclusion with a few doctor opinions that um, maybe it is the best thing for me to step away. And that, that was an easy transition for me because I learned so much my last year that I figured, like, I want to continue being a part of hockey. And um, I feel like I can give back to a lot of goaltenders who are in my very same position. And you just started a new position with the uh, Chilliwack Chiefs. I think I said that correctly, maybe. <laughs> yep. Um, and the BC Hockey League, so congratulations on that. Uh, so what are, I guess, what are the biggest takeaways that you take from your NHL career that you can teach these young goalies? Um, well, first of all, um, simplifying the, the technical aspect, obviously, um, that's, that's a pretty important position or important part of the position. But secondly, um, just weathering the storm mentally, like understanding these guys' expectations, managing their emotions, um, being a guy that can be in their court um, and really come at it from um, an unbiased perspective and make them realize how things might be overamplified being in their position and quickly get back, get back on the horse and, and, and get to work. Because I think that's where um, I struggled with. I struggled with uh, my remaining years with New York and and in North America in my final year. And when you guys do, I don't know if you guys show video of, of current goaltenders now, are there any goalies that you want players to watch or you want your players to watch to take, you know, tips from? Working with Jeff Malcolm, who's currently the, the Hartford goalie coach, and we played together. So uh, we do a lot of video with kids. Um, we do a lot of presentations with uh, mental awareness and expectations and, and practice habits and et cetera. Um, but we also do a lot of video analysis and breaking down technical foundation. That being said, I, I don't think there's one particular goalie in mind that I say go watch. Um, everybody's different. 
Lundqvist is different than Price. Um, the list goes on and on and on. So everybody's their own goalie. Everybody's their own person. And uh, we just try and play with that. So talking about Hank, do you have any good Hank stories to tell us? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't really have any good Hank stories other than, um, you know, we were at training camp after my first year. So after I played in the NHL and he was healthy and I was trying to get back in healthy and we were on with Benny um, in the morning and um, Hank was he's always a nice guy to me and had conversation with me while we were on the ice and I went in the first rep and, and Benny was a big, uh, big guy on having limited reps and I had limited reps and didn't allow a goal. And he went in there and did the exact same drill, and I think he led in a goal or two. And he went from one of the most personal guys and nicest guys in the world to realizing, like, I got it, I got it, and, and uh, it became serious very quickly. And I, I think that's probably one of the best things that uh, it's it's funny, but it's a learning lesson itself. Like a guy like that just works so hard, and um, that was obviously one of his biggest characteristics to him having the success he had and your time with the Rangers you know you were 20 years old when you first came up who were some of the veterans in that team in the locker room in your first couple years there that kind of took you under their wing or you know someone that you really looked up to I think everybody had sort of their helping hand in it um there was a lot of really nice people on that team uh obviously first and foremost the the goalie partner Cam Talbot he was super embracing um help guide me through just like little, little things on a day-to-day -day basis uh, that would, that would help me out. And then um, everybody else was just super embracing and, and joking and, and um, really treated me like I was part of the team. And any good pranks you want to share with us, either from your Hartford days or in New York? <laughs> no good pranks. Um, we, uh, we ended up going on a bit of a winning streak in New York. We do the lineup card and, and we did it by numbers incrementally. And I think uh, Carl Haglin had it the game before and he was number 62. So uh, we ended up losing my first game in Boston. So my second game, I ended up having the lineup card. And I think we went on like an eight game or nine game win streak. So I walked into this dressing room with all these guys and all these guys that I look up to <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm reading the lineup card and trying to all these guys. For it. And that, that was super tough. That was definitely an icebreaker. I think they enjoyed it. Um, obviously, you got to come up with jokes and stuff like that. But uh, that was a good entrance to, to the overall experience. When you got out there, was 70 given to you? Or is that a number you picked? Um, I was... Uh, in Hartford, they had 29 taken, which was my original number in, in Kootenai. So I ended up just picking number 70 to, to be in Hartford. And uh, when I got the call up, they asked me if I wanted 29 because 29 was available. And um, I decided to stick with number 70. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it was great talking to you and uh, best of luck in your new position. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you again to Mackenzie Scapsy for joining us this week. It was really great to sit down and talk to him about his career and hear some great stories from his playing days and playing with Henrik Lundqvist. And we wish him all the best on his new coaching gig with the Chilliwack Chiefs, and hopefully we can have him back on the show in the future. 
And that does it for Episode 9 of the Broadway Hat Podcast. Please hit the follow button on Spotify. You can now subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And also, please follow me on Twitter at KHallNY for all New York Ranger updates. And follow the Broadway Hat Podcast Instagram account to be notified when new episodes come out. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.
Iowans, you have dozens of betting options. Try a sports book built by bettors and run by bettors. Fred Doan started Betfred over 50 years ago with funds from a winning bet, and he's been known for delivering the best betting experience ever since. Visit BetfredSports.com to give us a try. New customers betting $50 get 111 in Fred bets and up to 200 Fred bets per week for five weeks. Terms apply. Proud partner of the Iowa Cubs and Iowa Wild. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.